Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Most of you know that uh, uh, Shannon uh, went on to be with the Lord a few weeks back. We will be having her memorial service this Saturday, so Saturday the 30th at 11 a.m., and we will be streaming it live for anyone that would like to join us that way. Also, uh, tonight's breakthrough. Tonight is breakthrough, 6 o'clock. You want to be here. We're going to be taking communion uh, tonight in breakthrough and doing something uh, around that and ministering around the communion. And so you can mark that down. That's at 6 o'clock. And then also we have one last announcement, and I want to share this with you in the context of uh, being a family. How many know as a church we're a family? Amen. And so when things transpire within the family, we want to uh, be able to share that with you. And you may have noticed that uh, Pastor Howie has not been in church for a while. Uh, most of you probably know that he had gotten COVID. Um, well, thank you, Jesus. He's doing well. He's, uh, God touched him and healed him. Uh, amen. You could gl- give glory to God for that. He did uh, struggle uh, for a little bit. The doctor uh, did put him on a what's called a 30-day um, uh, convalescence, and so he's been at home. Uh, well, since then, this is, this is what I want to share with you, and since then, um, Howie and I have talked on the phone, and he has decided to retire. Amen. And so he is retiring, and he is, uh, for the time being, until such a time that COVID gets a little bit better, he's going to be doing church from home. But I told him what I wanted to do is because we appreciate him so much, and he has done such a great job that as a family, we just want to lift him up, and we want to bless him. Amen. He's not going anywhere, none of that. And so we just want to believe God to touch and minister to him and to his life, and, and his, uh, his wife Diane's still going to do... Uh, 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 widow's might and all of that. And so we just want to believe God to uh, touch them and minister to them. So would you, would you just join me in prayer real quick and let's just believe God. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we come before you and Father, we, uh, we just lift up Howie and Diane. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, their participation, their anointing, their gift into this church. And Father, we ask that you bless them, Father. We pray that your hand would rest upon them as they go into this new phase of their life, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would guide them, that you would direct them, Lord, that your favor and your goodness would be upon them. And Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 4, we'll get to that here in just a second or two. And this morning, we are going to continue on with this sermon series that we began a few weeks ago based on our theme for this year, Seeking First the Kingdom of God. Now, let me, let me just say this to you, and let me just encourage you. This is truly important today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you why here in just a little bit, why the kingdom of God is so important. And I pray this morning that what I'm able to do is to ignite a hunger in you. I pray that you will become more passionate about the kingdom. You know, one of the things that I discovered in my own life um, 
as I've done, gone through this in the study and prayer and, and, and really beginning to meditate and seek the kingdom of God, is how easy it is to think that we are traveling down that road and think that we have a handle on it when in fact we are quite distant from it. Um, I think that's probably the, if there is a, if there is a hurdle in Christianity that I, I think needs to be regularly faced, it's this idea that all is well and that just because things seemingly are going smooth that we are truly connected. And the, the problem with that is, is oftentimes what happens, the strategy that can work in our lives is we can be lulled into a a uh, comfort. We can be lulled asleep somehow and, and uh, begin to convince ourselves that, hey, I got this going on when in fact we are actually drifting further and further and further. You know what the problem with drifting is? Is unless there is a reference point, you won't notice it. If anybody that's ever been out at sea, and one of the things that they talk about, uh, uh, the people that have survived the ordeal of being lost in the ocean, is that they literally travel hundreds of miles from where they began, sometimes, in some cases, thousands of miles, and they never knew that they really went anywhere. And that can happen in Christianity because sometimes what happens is we can lose sight of our reference point. And so this morning, I want, us to help, I want to help us once again gain that reference point because everything we need, listen, everything we need, all that the kingdom offers, the abundance of heaven itself, all that God has is ours when we seek first and underline first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's interesting to me that in the scripture, in Matthew 6.33, when he says, seek first the kingdom, he, he emphasized first. He, he didn't just say, seek the kingdom. He said, seek first the kingdom. This is a priority. It's an everyday priority that we should be seeking the kingdom of God. This is not something that we can trivialize or ignore much of the quality of our Christian life hangs in the balance of this priority. The kingdom of God, we learned last week, was, is not a place, uh, uh, is not a philosophy, it's not an ethical or moral ideal, it's not a spiritual experience, and it's certainly not restricted to time or space, but the kingdom of God is the realm of God's authority and power to influence to impact, to change, to transform all that it comes in contact with. It, in, in the early days of Jesus' ministry on the earth, he centered on one thing, and that was the kingdom of God. His only message, the gospel of the kingdom, was both his passion and his purpose. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 42. And then looking at verse 43, it says, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a desert, deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and to try to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Now the question that I ask is, I love, I think it's a very useful question, it's very short. Why? 
I think it's useful. I think it helps us to discover some, some things. So why, this morning, is the kingdom of God so important? And remember last week, remember, if you will, I asked you a question that most people would probably say was a no-brainer. But I asked you, why is being an American so important? Think about that. The reason I asked you that question last week was because I wanted you to think about and to relate to something we all treasure. Can you say amen? Being an American this morning for most people is a significant birthright. Wouldn't you say that's true? We're proud to be Americans. I'm proud to be an American. And for those of us who were born in America, it is who we are in every way. And for those who came here and became American, it is an incredible privilege. Can you say amen? The point is, America stands for something. It's not trivial. It's not ethereal. It's, you know, a lot of people, they, they refer to America as the great experiment, but it's not an experiment. It is real in every way. The American dream is known around the world, and even those who do not like it are still moved by it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? America was founded upon godly principles, godly values, godly morals, things like freedom, honor, peace, dignity, the rule of law, and on and on. And America, in my mind, is simply the greatest country in the world. And even now, with all of our difficulty and problems, I guarantee you we are still the greatest country in all the world. Can you say amen? Now, the thing is, is I, I begin to meditate on this, and I want to read some stuff to you because I, it really is going to put all that we're talking about in context. So I went back, and I looked at the Declaration of Independence. And I had a very emotional experience. I even called my wife into my office, and I read it to her, and I said, why is it that I had to wait till I was 55 years old before I determined that this was pretty important? I read the Declaration of Independence, and I went, my God, these guys had it going on. Listen to what they said. They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What, what poetic genius that is. Can you say amen? I'm, I, the, that to me, and I'm not saying this is the Bible, so don't please, your cards, emails, and letters can be held off. I'm not saying that as the standard of the, of the Bible. But to me, it was visceral. It, it hit me. It impacted me because it means something. Then I went on to the Constitution, and, and, you know, there's throughout my life, and, you know, I've been in school and government classes, and I've read a little bit of the Constitution, but I read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and to realize, who am I? When I say I'm an American, what does that mean? And the Constitution begins this way. It says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general wel welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Those words 
are not empty words, church. Those words are the cornerstone of who we are as a people and a nation. Those words shape our culture. It's how we act and interact with the rest of the world. Why is being an American so important? Because it is who we are. Can you say amen? And when this morning, when we disregard or trivialize the Constitution by either distorted interpretations or flagrant disobedience, we undermine our culture. And when we undermine our culture, society begins to unravel. And when society unravels, our lives become at best complicated and at worst unbearable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We see these things. Listen, we see these things are happening right now in our nation, aren't they? And it's because, you say, well, why is this happening? It's because spiritual powers in high places have sought to destroy this amazing, incredible, blessed nation. And because the people, listen, second reason, because the people of this nation have forgotten who they are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, so it is with the kingdom of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Why is the kingdom so important? Because it is who we are. Can you say amen? The kingdom of God is not trivial or ethereal. It is real in every way. The kingdom of God impacts everything around it. It is the reason this great nation exists. Uh, The kingdom of God is the origin of all godly principles, values, and morals. The kingdom of God has a culture that gives life to all that walk in it. And the kingdom of God is the source of all other kingdoms as distorted as they may be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The kingdom of God is something that man longs to be a part of, whether they know it or not. I'm going to say it again. The kingdom of God is something that man longs to be a part of, whether they know it or not. The kingdom is God's governing power and authority in and through our lives. And no one can really be successful and fulfilled without the kingdom. Listen to me. Without the kingdom, there will always be something missing. I don't care who you are. You could be Bill Gates, Elon Musk, or Jeff Bezos, three richest men in the world. And you can have $185 billion in your checking account, and you can have anything you want in this earth. But if you do not have the kingdom, you're still missing something. Most of these men will tell you the reason that they do what they do is because they're searching for something. When money no longer matters, now it's about the game. They're still looking for fulfillment. They're still looking for something to fill the void. And no matter how much we possess, if we don't have the kingdom, we're missing something. It's only by understanding and applying the principles of the kingdom that we will truly find godly satisfaction. First Timothy 6 says, says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. There's another verse that says, with clothing, with food and clothing, be content. Now, that's not God. See, a lot of people have interpreted that as saying, you know what, if you got food and clothing, then you don't need anything else. Well, th- th- there's, there's some truth to that. But listen, that doesn't mean you can't have anything else. Are you hearing me? He's saying, look at you can, if you got me, food and clothing, you're good to go. 
Because when you got me, God says, when you got my kingdom, you got everything my kingdom offers. And I'm going to tell you, if you were to go do the, the accounting in, kingdom, in the kingdom, 185 billion is just a drop in the bucket. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we are to be free in this life of failure and defeat, sickness and disease, fear and insecurity, lack and poverty and destruction and death, then we must understand the nature of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? The kingdom of God at work in a person's life is what makes them do the impossible. Listen to me. Noah built an ark to save his entire family because of the kingdom. Abraham became the father of many nations because of the kingdom. Joseph, Joseph, a prisoner accused of rape, became the prime minister of Egypt because of the kingdom. Moses, a man who stuttered when he spoke, a man who committed murder, confronted the king of Egypt, divided the Red Sea, and led his people to freedom, did all that because of the kingdom. Joshua conquered Jericho because of the kingdom. Daniel survived the lion's den because of the kingdom. Esther, an orphan girl, became the queen that saved her nation because of the kingdom. David, a shepherd boy, became the greatest king of Israel. Gideon, a fearful man, conquered a whole nation with only 300 soldiers because of the kingdom. Paul, a man destined to be the ruling Pharisee, became the apostle to the Gentiles because of the kingdom. Timothy, and this is the one I love, Timothy, a timid young man, pastored a church that some believe was 50,000 strong in the city of Ephesus because of the kingdom. And the list could go on and on of others who did unbelievable unthinkable, impossible things because they were people of the kingdom and they knew why it was so important. And they chose to live their lives by the principles of the kingdom. So here's the ugly truth this morning, church. Just like what we are seeing in this nation of ours, when the kingdom of God becomes a lesser priority, or becomes irrelevant because of ignorance or passive disobedience. Do you know, you know what passive, ode, ode, passive disobedience is? That's when we become apathetic. We become indifferent, uninterested. And like I said earlier, it's so easy to become this way. It's called casual Christianity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, when we become casual towards the kingdom... We undermine our own identity of who we are in Christ. We distort our understanding of God. And we change the culture that we're called to live in. And in the end, our Christianity becomes at best religious and at worst powerless and empty. Are you hearing me? Casual Christianity in this generation is really why so much of what we're seeing now is happening. Listen, church, we like to blame the devil. I love it. You know, the devil made me do it. The devil did it. He's the one. Devil, 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 devil. The problem with the church is we're far too con devil conscious and not enough kingdom conscious. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying the devil don't exist. He's real. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have power. He does. He has power to deceive. And if you're not careful, he will deceive you. But church, there's only one way to defeat him, and that's through the kingdom. Let me tell you something. Let me just set the record straight. You alone are no match for the devil. He'll walk all over you, and he'll tear you up. He's been at it a lot longer than you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when you walk in the, in, in the understanding and the dynamic of the kingdom, there is not a demon in hell. All of it could come against you, and you'll still be victorious. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We like to blame the devil for all our woes, but let me assure you, he is defeated. When the Christian, when you and I, and ultimately the church, rises to who we are in Christ and understand why the kingdom is so important and seek first the kingdom of God, we will turn the world upside down also. Listen, casual Christianity is built on the cornerstone of apathy and indifference. In so many ways, we have a culture that lacks interest. It lacks enthusiasm. It lacks concern. We get stuck in old paradigms and tradition, thinking that is what brought the last revival. I guarantee you, church, God can have revival in a barn or in a cathedral. It makes no matter to him because any facade that is man-made is irrelevant to God for God is after the heart of man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason that we have a building, church, is because it's a little more comfortable on days like this. When it's 130 out, we enjoy the air conditioning. And God allows us to have this building. This building is for our comfort. This building is bait. It's attraction. It means nothing to the spirit and the moving of the spirit. Yet we will get so wound up in tradition and ignore the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We go through our lives content to complain about everything yet unwilling to respond to anything. We hide our lives behind walls of the church, afraid of what's out there, and we end up fighting each other because we're so preoccupied with self. And meanwhile, the world who we've been sent to reach remains unreached and unchanged. We have to confront this issue of casual Christianity. The attitude that says the kingdom of God is just not that important. It must change. Oh, we would never say it that way. There's no one here today that for a moment would go, the kingdom of God is unimportant. But our actions speak louder than words. And over the process of time, what happens? Priorities shift, plans are made, commitments are lost, and time passes. And the things of God, the calling of God on our life, and the kingdom of God finds itself off our radar, and we've grown casual in our Christianity, and it renders us indifferent. Church, there's nothing more important to God than the kingdom. Are you hearing me? 
There's nothing more important to Jesus than the kingdom of his Father. There was nothing more important to the early disciples than the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the greatest message that has ever been preached. And listen, it will be the last message that will be preached before the end comes. You say, how do you know? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You want to speed up the end? Seek the kingdom. You want out of here? (laughs) I can't wait till the rapture comes. Seek the kingdom. Make it your conversation. When this kingdom, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to every nation in all the world, then the end will come. So really quick, there are five reasons this morning why the kingdom of God is so important. Number one, it's the ultimate purpose and plan of God for mankind, and it is our kingdom assignment. God created us. You were created to advance the kingdom and to establish his kingdom and his will on earth as it is in heaven. We were created to be sons and daughters of the Most High, partnering with Him, bringing His kingdom, (coughs) His will, and His righteousness, and His presence to bear on the matters of life. In fact, we we have said it so often before that when Jesus taught us to pray, He began like this. In Luke 11, 12, or 11, 2, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is our job, our mission, it is our mandate to preach the kingdom of God in such a way that those who are not yet a part of it will want to be included in it. We do this by living out the Great Commission. Are you hearing me? Sharing the love of Jesus with a lost world, not condemning the world. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn it, but I came to save it. But yet the church has taken on the mantle of condemning the world. That's not our job. Our job is to bring the love of Jesus to this world. Can you say amen? Amen. It's our job to present and to demonstrate the power and glory of the King and his kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 4, 20, the Bible says this, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Are you hearing me? The entire life and ministry of Jesus was the demonstration of his power and glory in the kingdom. All healings, all deliverances, all miracles, all signs and wonders are an extension of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Listen to that. As you preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. It's part and parcel of the message that we are to preach. In Matthew 9, 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. They are forever linked. Preaching the kingdom, 
and doing and demonstrating the power of the kingdom. The second reason the kingdom is so important. The original purpose of God is to extend his rulership from heaven to earth through man. Are you hearing me? Listen to this verse of Scripture. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He didn't write that because he wanted just to say, Hey, you know what, you guys, you got, you, you, you guys are kind of, you know, there's a word in the King James, you're a peculiar people. He didn't set us aside so it's like, okay, all the weirdos, they, they, you know, that's what populates the kingdom. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. When we proclaim the praises of him who set into motion the power of the kingdom, we bring to bear the dominion of the king of kings. Are you hearing me? <clears throat> this picture of celebration, the celebrating of a conquering king, what he receives when he comes back. So think about it. This is a picture. When we lift our voice and praise and show forth his praise and proclaim his praise, it's because he's a conquering king. And it's the way we extend the kingdom of God through praise and through worship. Listen to these verses, Revelations 5.10, and says this, and have, made, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. We have been, we are a nation. We are a kingdom of kings and priests. Are you hearing me? This is his plan, not mine. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. We are seated with him now to extend the rule and reign of the kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, I love this portion of Scripture. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know what he's saying? He says, you guys, I converted you, changed you, transformed you. I gave you an assignment and made you my agents into the world to extend my kingdom through reconciliation. That's what he's saying in that verse. We are ambassadors of reconciliation, agents of the kingdom to bring restoration in the affairs of men. Through the works of salvation, deliverance, and healing, and by the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we extend the kingdom of God and the rule and reign of heaven on this earth. The third reason, this is so important, the central theme of Jesus' message was the gospel of the kingdom. 
The only message Jesus commanded his church to preach is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the central theme of the entire Bible. The conclusion of God's eternal program of restoration is the establishment of his eternal kingdom on earth. Are you hearing that? <clears throat> the greatest desire of God is for all men to become citizens of this kingdom. Are you hearing me? Nothing more central to this life is more consuming for Jesus than the message of the kingdom. All that he did, his healings, his deliverances, miracles, signs and wonders, all of it were done to reveal the Father and to extend the kingdom. In Matthew 10, 7 and 8, it says, as you go preaching, say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. We have to hear that message over and over again. This means it's the duty of every Christian to press on with proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. It was the central theme of Jesus' message. And the fourth, it was the message of the early church in the first century. There are three important statements in the book of Acts, and I'm bringing this to an end so Jason can come if he'd like. I want you to catch this with me. There are three important statements in the book of Acts that show the preaching of the early church and that their preaching surrounded the gospel of the kingdom. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. Philip was an awesome dude, man. This is a guy that was a deacon. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a teacher. He was a deacon. He was assigned the task of, hang on, the beeping's got me. Just he was assigned the task of waiting on tables. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what he was, to, to minister to the needs of widows and orphans. But yet this man full of faith in the Holy Spirit was anointed, so anointed that when he would do things, supernatural events, when he would preach the gospel of the kingdom, things changed. This was the guy that was translated from the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch to another city and had revival in such manner that he had to call the apostles and said, hey guys, I don't know why you're hiding out in Jerusalem. Get down here. God's moving. And what did he do? He preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8, it says, And when he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Paul went into the synagogue, spoke boldly concerning the things of the kingdom. It was their message. Acts 28, 30 through 31 says, Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Preaching the kingdom of God. So here's the conclusion today. The kingdom of God is music. Praise God for music. 
The kingdom of God was foretold in the Old Testament. It was preached by Jesus, revealed by Jesus through everything he did, preached by the early church. It should be preached by us today until all people, every nation, hears it. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news that at the coming of Jesus, God moved in a way that was unprecedented. That everything changed when Jesus came. For the first time, people saw the true kingdom of God. And since Jesus has come, God is exerting his rule and reign in new and powerful ways. He's attacking the enemy, the devil, in new ways. I love what Pastor Alex preached the other day. He was talking about on Wednesday night, he was talking about peace, and he used the scripture. I I forget what the address of the scripture is, but he said, and the God of peace will soon crush the head of the devil. See, when you think about the devil being defeated and crushed, you don't think about it in terms of peace. See, that's the kingdom of God. Church, we've got it so backwards. Let me tell you something. The dynamics of love, peace, grace, mercy, they are the most powerful things. I'm reminded of the old uh, uh, Pixar cartoon, Monsters, Inc., and the, basically the long and short of that movie was is that these monsters, there was kind of this, they were in a multiverse and so they were in this parallel universe where all monsters lived and they had figured out that they could, they could power their society by coming into our universe and scaring children because fear had power. And it does. And so what they would do is they would come in and they would scare the kids and, 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 the, and they would somehow siphon off that power and that's what ran their society. That's what ran their, their uh, power grid in, in, in Monsterville or wherever they lived. But then one day something happened, something new. This little girl, this little tiny cute little girl touched the heart of two crazy little monsters. <clears throat> and somehow they figured out that the laughter of a child was infinitely more powerful. See church, there's no doubt there's power in the lies that the devil sells. There's no doubt that you can get high and mighty and raise up and you can condemn and curse and you can stomp and snort and you might have some effect, but it'll be localized. Or you can discover that in the kingdom of God and through the principles of the kingdom, through love and peace and grace and mercy, long-suffering, that there is exponential power to change the world, to change your world. The devil is defeated because God's moving in a new way. I think this is a priority that we cannot avoid any longer. If there's anything that has spoke to me this last 11 months, is it's pretty unhealthy to trivialize that which was sent to deliver me and to protect me. And I'm not saying here, I'm not, I'm not saying this is an indictment. I'm saying this today so that you would do some self-examination. To really get honest. Not, don't, don't, don't just go, oh yeah, I go to church. Please don't be caught in that trivial trap. 
Yeah, I own a Bible. Occasionally read it. Even if, let me just, let, let's, let's get on the good side. Let's say you read it every day. But if you don't live it, if it doesn't impact you, if it doesn't change you, then it's pretty useless. It's just like any other book. And somewhere along the line, the key to change is that you have to want to. You have to say, I'm going to let this. I'm going to allow, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to, see, I, when I was looking at the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and all of that, I, I was moved. I literally was moved by tears because, you know what, a, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure a blind man could read those documents and see that they wrote down exactly what we need for this day and age. If you, read, if you go back and, I don't, I don't know, well, this ain't being recorded, so I might not, I won't get in trouble yet. 10.30, I might get in trouble. But if you go back and read the Declaration of Independence, it actually says right after the line that I wrote, it says this. It says, and when the people discovered that the government has basically gone awry, they can remove it and start a new one. <laughs> and you read that and you go, are you serious? Really? We have that kind of power? Yep. But do you understand, and I, ah, shut up here in a minute. Do you understand the difference between kinetic power and potential power? See, right now, I'm, I'm a big old guy, and I'm about, oh, 22 inches off the ground. And if I were to just fall, it would be powerful. <laughs> so right now, this is potential power. And it really don't mean a lot until I go face first. When I go face first and between here and the floor, that's kinetic. It's moving. The problem is, is there's a lot of potential, not a lot of moving. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the fifth reason, and I know you thought I forgot because I only gave you four this morning. We're going to look at the fifth reason and the most powerful reason why the kingdom is so important is because of kingdom culture. You know what? I hope that what you're getting out of this is an understanding of how important this really is. Can you say amen? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we just come before you and we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are helping us, shaping us, and molding us, God. We thank you that you are instructing us. Father, Help us not to be so naive as to think that we can go out and represent your kingdom in such a way that would be effective, making a difference in the world around us with the people that you bring into our lives without first understanding the kingdom in which we live. Help us, Lord, not to be so naive and narrow-minded as to think that we've got it all together when nothing is happening around us. Father, help us to be hungry and to long for more. Lord, that we would break through the barriers, that we would break through the moments, that we would push beyond our opinions and our thoughts. But God, that we would grab a hold of the truth and be hungry for more of you and your kingdom. Lord, that it would change us, and that it would move us. Father, that we would not be a people of a kingdom of word only, but that we would be a people of a kingdom of power.
that has the ability to change the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. You can stand to your feet all across this place. Amen. We're going to let you go. God bless you. You guys have a great and wonderful Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.